Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas odds maker. And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence. And now, let's get it on. Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence, and we're set to go against the spread on this week's college football bowl card, if you will, and the National Football League season as we're into the month of December, the final stretch drive for NFL football teams. Three weeks remaining on the NFL side of things before we head to the playoffs. And with that, I want to welcome in our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports. Victor, they're getting ready to kick off the college football bowl games this Saturday, the first of 39 big bowl games. Question I have to ask of you, and I know I shouldn't ask this. I just want to let our listeners know, are you ready for the bowl games? I think we are getting there. We'll definitely be there when the first games kick off here on Saturday. I believe it's one less bowl game than last year, but it is time to fasten the seatbelts and get ready for a fantastic bowl season And speaking of fantastic results, we want to thank Mark for his beautiful Philadelphia Eagles play on Sunday, the NFL false favorite game of the year winner. It looks like you've done very, very well with the best bets as of late, and I know you've got a big one scheduled in the NFL this weekend. Yeah, we do, Victor. It's our once-a-year 10-star NFL game of the year. It'll kick off this Sunday And we're really quite excited about that. We outlined in this week's Playbook Football Newsletter the nice success we've had coming down the stretch over the past nine weeks with our top game plays. And it's been very, very fortunate for us. We've won eight of those nine top game plays. So timing couldn't be better for this year's NFL Game of the Year. Attractive-looking football NFL card this week. Also an attractive college bowl card, I think, overall this football season here. If you take it, in the consideration and weight against last year's, I think there's a lot more meaningful bowl games in matchups on tap this year than we've seen perhaps in the last couple of years. And it'll all kick off starting this week, if you will, this Saturday. Uh, the New Orleans Bowl kicks off. The Cure Bowl will have the Las Vegas Bowl, the New Mexico Bowl, the Camellia Bowl, uh, all on Saturday. So uh, we're all locked and loaded getting ready for these bowl games. And these all, Victor, as I mentioned here, uh, the start of the bowl games. It's what they call the minor bowl portion of the season here. It used to be a division of the bowl games, the major bowls, which were primarily New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and then the games that preceded those were considered the minor bowls. But now with the new college football playoff setup, uh, some of these bigger bowl games have drifted back into pre-New Year's Day type bowl situations and uh, makes the handicapping a little bit more of a challenge, but uh, I love it. I love seeing uh, the, the likes of... Uh, uh, some of these bigger, better teams that are going to be playing football bowl games, the Cotton Bowl Classic, for instance. You've got Ohio State and Southern Cal playing on December 29th. This this game could be, for all intents and purposes, a college football playoff game. Uh, the number five and the number six ranked teams are going head-to-head in a Cotton Bowl matchup. We've got a dandy inside the Fiesta Bowl this year when Washington State takes on Penn State on De- uh, December 30th. Uh, Not to mention the Orange Bowl, also that same night when Wisconsin comes down here to Miami to take on the Hurricanes. Then it rolls into New Year's Day. So all in all, I think it's going to be an intensive bowl card. Uh, 
Any ideas or thoughts you have, Victor, about minor bowl games as opposed to the major big boy bowl games that will be coming down the road a little bit later on this month? From a totals perspective, definitely these minor bowl games tend to be a little bit higher scoring than the games that are played after Christmas, after New Year's Day. And it kind of makes some sense because there's not much of a disruption in actual practice and preparation for these teams who will be playing the first seven days of the bowls. Uh, it, uh, again, these teams have been resting for, oh, maybe 10 days, two weeks top, no disruption. And also the fact that they tend to schedule a few more of these better offensive teams, lousier defensive teams in the first seven to 10 days of the bowls as well. I would throw out to you teams like the, the Western Kentuckys of the world, the Arkansas States, the Florida Atlantics, the Louisiana Techs, the SMUs. So these uh, one, two, three, four, five, I think we have seven bowl games that will be played from the date we record the show today until next week's show. And you could very well see more overs than unders uh, in those first seven to ten days of bowl action for those reasons, Mark. Well, I do know this, Victor. When it comes to handicapping the bowl games between major and minor bowl games, I just did a college football bowl article for the USA Today, and we segregated uh, the two, the, the like of the uh, what we call the Power Five bowl games and the uh, Group of Five bowl teams and everybody in the lesser like. And I do know this that when you get into this early stage of the bowl games, there's a lot of college football teams that are absolutely excited to be in these bowl games. And there's also a lot of teams that are deeply disappointed to find where they landed in these bowl games. The likes of, like a, for instance, Oklahoma State, who had visions of perhaps winning the Big 12 Conference. Uh, they end up uh, not being obviously where they want to be. You've got other teams that were battling tooth and nail just to get into the bowls. They made it this football season here, and they're ecstatic to be there. You had teams that were what we call mission teams last year, teams that had rare losing seasons after three successive winning years in a row, and they cap off a great great comeback, if you will, by making it back to a bowl game this year. So all in all, it makes for a great handicap. And the reason I'm mentioning this is we're putting the final wraps on the college, the Playbook College Bowl stat report. Uh, I've been absolutely burning the midnight oil. I, I, I mean, I'm getting like two and three, four hours sleep a night trying to get this puppy to press here. We're trying to have it ready here Wednesday night or Thursday at the latest. But uh, inside this, you'll find a lot of good handicapping information about segregating the minor bowls to the major bowls and also handicapping bowl games from a coaching perspective. Uh, you have a lot of interim coaches. We've got some great information in the bowl stat report on interim coaches and how they do in bowl games. You've got also teams that uh, have also signed on with first-year coaches and how they fare in these bowl games. So all in all, it's an exciting time of the year. There's no doubt about that. The college football bowl season, and it'll kick off all beginning this Saturday in the New Orleans Bowl, the first early kickoff this year, concluding with 39 big bowl games on tap this football season, the 40th being, obviously, the College Football National Championship game, which will take place on January 8th. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, Victor, let's switch it over to the National Football League side of things this week, where we've got a playoff race going on. It's wide open in the NFC, to say the least. 
these are the teams that uh, if the playoff picture were to start this weekend, this is what the picture would look like. You'd find in the AFC, the number one seed being the Pittsburgh Steelers. Over on the other side, NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles. Number two seeds, the New England Patriots and the Minnesota Vikings. Number three seeds, Jacksonville and the LA Rams. While number four, Kansas City and New Orleans. Number five, Tennessee and Carolina. And number six, Buffalo and Atlanta. But, Victor, as I count to the playoff picture scene here right now, there are, in addition, we've got five other teams in the wide-open NFC and no less than seven other teams mathematically alive, or make that eight other, seven other teams, I should say, yes, in the AFC that are all mathematically alive. We've got a playoff race going on right now. And it's going to make for a very exciting final three weeks of the regular season as well. Uh, a very, very difficult injury for Philadelphia, losing quarterback Carson Wentz. He's out for the year uh, in that big road win against the Rams last week, throwing a touchdown uh, uh, with a really wrecked up knee there at the very end. What we've noticed now is that with that injury, the wide open NFC is exactly that right now. You can make it easily a case for six, seven teams that could go all the way and make it to the Super Bowl. In fact, the top five NFC teams by Super Bowl odds all fall in that range right now of eight to one to 14 to one. That would be the Minnesota Vikings at eight to one, the Saints at eight to one. The Eagles at twelve to one. The Rams at twelve to one. The Atlanta Falcons at fourteen to one. Uh, the next highest team being the Seattle Seahawks at eighteen to one odds. But it is uh, definitely wide open. It's not like the top-heavy AFC conference with Pittsburgh and New England. You can easily make a case for five, six, seven teams representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. You sure can. Uh, it's going to be wide open that way. And as far as the AFC is concerned, while it's a little bit top-heavy, like you say, uh, at, the, at the top of the leaderboard, there are still, nonetheless, teams like Baltimore, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Bengals, and even the Houston Texans, all still mathematically alive in the AFC side of things. So this weekend's going to determine a lot about what's going to happen as far as the playoff picture is concerned. And you mentioned, Victor, about uh, the hard luck loss of the Philadelphia Eagles losing Carson Wentz. And uh, it was really a, a sad to see that happen because he was having an MVP-type season. And uh, uh, one of the people that sent me an email in the coffee club asked me about whether or not I felt the Eagles could make it to the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. And uh, while I would like to think that the, this is, football team is good enough and capable enough, my answer was the bottom line to teams that arrive to Super Bowls, they do it with one common denominator – that's with an outstanding quarterback. And I don't put Nick Foles in the outstanding quarterback class. Uh, and unfortunately, I think it's going to end up biting the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. But that being said, Victor, uh, if the MVP award were being awarded this week, much like we do with the playoff picture, who would you list, Victor, as your top three MVP candidates in the National Football League this season? Well, with Carson Wentz out now and eliminated from that picture, unfortunately, by default, you got to throw uh, Tom Brady on the top of the list. And I know he flamed out down here in Miami on Monday night. But, heck, he had a 7-8 and eight career record down here playing in Miami anyway. He, he's got to be at the top of anybody's list. Another quarterback I would submit to you that should be in the top three to top five would be Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks who basically has hoisted an entire offense onto his back. They can't run the ball for a lick. 
So he's done it all for that team. Uh, a guy who's been rejuvenated in his middle 30s, the job Phillip Rivers has done is amazing. They, I believe, lost their first four games of the season and have now gone seven and eight in their last nine. Four straight wins in a row. Fantastic defense. Phillip Rivers should be in any discussion. And the only non-quarterback I would throw in that list to would probably be a guy like Antonio Brown. He's got an outside shot at 2,000 wide receiving yards this season and has basically elevated Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers to the division title. So I would throw out Brady, Russell Wilson, Phillip Rivers, and my non-position player of Antonio Brown. Well, I like your list, Victor, to say the least. Uh, if I were casting a vote today, I think my vote would go to Antonio Brown, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver who's having on course to a record-setting season here. He's going to wipe out Jerry Rice's records here this football season here. And he's made Ben Roethlisberger uh, a viable quarterback once again this season here. People have forgotten about Big Ben, but uh, Antonio Brown has really, really helped Big Ben resurrect his career i'd make him number one number two i i would still put carson wentz in there i know i realize the fact that he's not going to play here but for what he did for when he went out i still think he needs to be considered in the mvp race of this football season here it'd be like giancarlo stanton for the miami marlins who if he were injured the last month of september and he still knocked in 50 or hit 55 home runs he would still be noteworthy enough to be an mvp i think that's the case with carson wentz as well and i concur with you tom brady russell wilson you can throw either one into the number three slot the two other quarterbacks that i would also toss out for names just because of what they've done for their teams would be surprisingly case keenum from the minnesota vikings mm-hmm. who uh, each week, <laughs> Mike Zimmer announces the fact that Case Keenum will be our starter this week. <laughs> Case Keenum. <laughs> uh, I don't know why he's doing that. Uh, I don't know what motive it's serving here. But anyway, Case Keenum's having an MVT, uh, MVP type season. And I think we also have to mention uh, Drew Brays, the job he's done with the New Orleans yep. Saints this football season here. He's done a great job. So a lot of good viable candidates undoubtedly in the running for NFL MVP award this football season here. We'll see how it all shakes out during these final three weeks of the stretch drive portion of the 2017 NFL season. Before we go to break, nominated, as always, our NFL chip on their shoulder team of the week this week by our good friend Steve Crabb from Dallas, Texas. He nominates this week the Seattle Seahawks and points out reasons about Russell Wilson, the Seahawks being at home off a loss. Uh, All good factors, all good things. He feels the Seattle Seahawks will be playing with that chip on their shoulder this week. We'll put them down for our NFL chip play of the week this week. We're going to also talk about that particular game, uh, Victor and I, in our NFL game of the week when we tear down the Rams and Seahawks a bit later on in the show. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, we're going to tear down our first college football bowl game of the week. We're going to hop out to the Las Vegas Bowl and see what that's all about. We'll do that and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Hey, sports fans, football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at mybookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. 
What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence as we go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. Let's get into it. Our college football bowl game of the week. We'll kick it off in Las Vegas in the Las Vegas Bowl where Boise State takes on Oregon in one of the better minor league bowl games this Saturday. Victor, your take on the Broncos and the Ducks in Las Vegas. Well, it looks like Willie Taggart will not be coaching Oregon in this week's game, but, but from what I hear, uh, Jim Levitt has stayed there and will coach them on defense in the Las Vegas Bowl. Let me see here. Oregon opened up five. They're up to about seven, seven and a half point favorite right now in the game. The over line has dropped a few points. It opened at 63, and it's currently down to 59 and a half. And as long as it stays below 60, I think it's going to be a little higher scoring than uh, people think. On the season, Boise State 5-8 and eight over under. Average line 53.5, average score 54.6. Oregon, very similar numbers to a Boise 5-7 uh, and seven overall on the season. And let's see here, average line 64.6, average score 64.9. They did close the season on a two and five over under run in their last seven games. They went two and one to the over in their non-conference games this season. Fresno did close the season with back-to-back unders. Excuse me, Boise closed with back-to-back unders when, of course, they played Fresno consecutive weeks, the regular season game, and then in the Mountain West Conference Championship as well. Neither team is uh, foreigners when it comes to. The Las Vegas Bowl, third Las Vegas Bowl appearance for Oregon. They played in 97 and 2006, beat Air Force, lost to BYU, respectively. This is, of course, the fourth Las Vegas Bowl appearance for Boise State. And I believe they've won all three times. Utah, 2010, Arizona State, 2011, Washington, 2012. From a over-under perspective, the last six Las Vegas Bowls, have averaged 60.2 points per game. That's right around where over-under line is this week. They've gone 4-2 and over-under. And one of the reasons why I think we may see a little more scoring than normal is the fact that we could very well get one of those uh, really nice quarterback shootouts. You mentioned this in the Playbook newsletter. I did the research as well. Justin Herbert will be returning for Oregon the guy's a beast. He's 6'2". He's 225. He might be as good as any quarterback in the Pac-12 right now. And this is a conference with some big-name quarterbacks. Your Sam Darnolds, Josh Rosens, Luke Falks, uh, Jake Brownings. Justin Herbert, in the seven starts this season for Oregon, 
They averaged a whopping 52.0 points per game. And as you noted in the Playbook newsletter, in the five games he didn't play, Oregon averaged only 15 points per game. So he's going to be healthy. He'll be taking the field. He's led him to 50 points per game. And when I say shootout, you got this junior quarterback, Brett Rippon at Boise as well, uh, a veteran quarterback. In his last six games, he led Boise to 38.3 points per game. Also, only one interception thrown in his last eight games as well. Based on the point spread and the over-under line, the anticipated final score, Oregon 33.5, Boise 26. I think it'll be a little closer and maybe a little higher scoring. I got the game somewhere around 34 to 31. That's around 60 to 65 points. Again, as the over-under line, if it stays below 60, there's a very good chance that uh, we'll take a flyer on a high-scoring game and go over the total in the Las Vegas Bowl. Victor looks for some points to be scored at Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas when Boise State takes on Oregon in the Las Vegas Bowl this week, and he'll go over the total in this matchup. Boise State comes in. As I mentioned, this is one of the better minor bowl games, a marquee-type bowl game, if you will. This is the 16th straight bowl game for Boise State, a veteran, well-traveled team, quite accustomed to going bowling. Uh, they started out slow this year, did the Broncos, just 2-2 two and two to begin the season, but they finished up in strong fashion, winning eight of their nine final football games. In fact, they outyarded their opponents in seven of those nine games, outsetting them by a total of 762 yards in the contest. So a much, much different team, Boise State, from Game 5 on out than what we saw to open up the season in the month of September. Uh, from the midweek alert, we also note that, talking about Boise State, their stats in the second half of the season were obviously much, much improved. They won the stats an average net of 108 yards a game, did Boise State, during the second half of the football season here. And this note from the, our College Football Bowl stat report, this is a unique stat here about college football teams and bowl games who won their final game of the season but failed to beat the spread in that contest. These teams in bowl games that are off win and no covers in bowl games are 18-7 and seven straight up and 16-7-2 and two to the spread. So all people tend to remember is the, that they lost the money in their last game, but they end up being value-type situation plays in bowl games. For the Oregon Ducks, this was a mission season accomplished for the Ducks this year. They were one of a bevy of bowl teams that were what we call mission teams this year in college football, teams that had enjoyed three winning seasons in a row, had a losing season, they come back the next year. We call those mission teams. And we find in the college football bowl game, seven of those teams made it to bowl games as far as coming back this year, all the way circling back, Oregon being one of those two football teams here. And as Victor mentioned here, it's been a tale of two seasons for Justin Herbert, their quarterback. Uh, his stats dramatically different when for Oregon when he's in the lineup as opposed to without. Mario Cristobal will be taking over as their new head coach for Oregon. Uh, he was the former head coach at Florida International down here. He's an, been an assistant at Oregon, and the players wanted him back as the head coach, and they acquiesced, did the, the brass at Oregon. They signed him to be the new replacement for Willie Taggart. Mario Cristobal will continue to coach this football team from our coaches' database, and we call this out also in the College Bowl stat report. Mario Cristobal, in his career, when he was favored, in football games against 200 or 50 better teams, teams that uh, can play a little bit. He was just 3-11 and 11 to the spread, 1-10 when laying three or more points. Oregon, noteworthy also from the Bowl Stat Report, they were the worst team in the nation 
in penalties per games this year. Really a highly undisciplined type football team and ended up biting them, especially when Herbert wasn't at quarterback for this team here uh, this football season. They went up against eight teams, did Oregon. Eight other bowl teams this season. They went three and five straight up and against a spread and in the stats in those eight bowl games. Bottom line to me, Boise State playing their best football of the season. A continuation here now taking better than a touchdown in this football game. We know that Boise's 5-0 and as a dog in bowl games when they own a record of better than 750 in the season here. I'll grab the points with Boise State in a game I think that'll come down to whoever scores last will win this football game. And what Victor says will be a well-lit scoreboard. I'll play Boise State plus the points for my side in the Las Vegas Bowl. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear down our NFL Game of the Week, a beauty in the NFC Conference when the Rams invade Seattle to take on the Seahawks. We'll also hop out to Las Vegas and check out the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com. We've got that and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed that's my bookie as an apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag. sign up today the only football newsletter in america devoted exclusively to nfl over under totals the totals tip sheet is a must read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from victor king the nfl totals guru at playbook.com the totals tip sheet has got you totally covered this football season it's the best reference source of its kind in the nation get your totals tip sheet today at playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. It's time for our NFL game of the week and a beauty in the NFC conference. We talked about it, how wide open this NFC playoff race is. No better two teams to lock horns here than the L.A. Rams when they invade Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Victor, your take on the Rams and the Seahawks on Sunday. Well, we got the Seahawks approaching a three-point favorite in this game. They opened, what, one and a half. They're up to about two now. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes up to three by Sunday. What is surprising, at least given the history of this series, is the extremely high over-under number currently at 48 points that's a high line for any division game particularly high for a nfc west division game in terms of overall totals results on the season these teams are basically exact opposite the rams eight and five over under seattle five and eight for the rams 30.5 points per game on offense allowing 20.4 on defense so their average game has seen 50.9 on the season. Seattle at 43.6, and that's broken down at 24.2 points per game on offense, 
19.4 allowed on defense. Of course, the Rams, one of the better over teams on the road this season. They've gone 5-1 and one in their six road games, uh, 52.7 points per game. Seattle's been one of those teams that's had an imbalance of over-under results in regards to home and away splits as well. Their home games have averaged 49 this season. Their road games, a full 10 points less, only 38.9. So if you are going to consider the over, and at least from a home-away perspective, it would make sense in this particular game. With that said, the Rams 2-9 and nine to the under. Their last 11 rolls as division road dogs. Seattle 4-10-1 over-under. Their last 15 division home games. One thing we want to put into perspective was, of course, these numbers go back to three seasons when Seattle's defense was much, much better, when the Rams' defense was much better, when the Rams' offense was much worse. So things change in the NFL, that is for sure, and uh, nothing more dramatic than the change in the L.A. Rams for this season. In regards to the series history, two out of the last uh, ten have gone over, eight have gone under, including each of the last four meetings have gone under the total. Average score only 26.3 combined points per game, and that included an earlier meeting this season back in October in L.A. when Seattle came away as the 16-10 to 10 point road victor against the Rams in that game. It ended up going under by 21 points. Historically, Mark, everything screams under in this game. Uh, I also have a game 14 uh, situation from our database in game 14 of the season when both teams are over 500 on the year and the spread is less than seven points in the last five years. But there's been zero overs. There's been 10 unders. It applies to three games this week, KC San Diego on Saturday, Carolina Green Bay on Sunday, and, of course, in this particular game, the Seattle LA Rams game. Again, historically, everything screams under. The over-under line is almost a full seven points higher than the historic line in this series. Uh, but sometimes uh, you got to throw out some of those database querying, and you know what happened last week. You know, we had a play on over the total in the Seattle-Jacksonville Jaguars game, a game that was 3-0 to zero at the half, in which we basically thought we had no shot whatsoever. You know what happened. The star yeah. linebacker, Bobby Wagner, went out of the game, and he was a Defensive Player of the Year candidate for sure. And, of course, with that now, the Seahawks have already lost their defensive starter, Sherman, Chancellor, and Averill for the season. And was there an impact with the Wagner loss? You better believe it. Again, the score was 3-0 to zero at half. When he went out, the scoring jumped up big time in the second half. The final score was 30-24. to 24. The Jaguars allowed 27 points in the second half. The game ended up going over the total by more than 10 points. So if you want to talk impact on defense, it doesn't get any more significant than Bobby Wagner. With that said, Mark, I'm not going over in the game. I can't do it at 48. However, I think this has outstanding over potential in a teaser. And I will play the over in a teaser, taking the over underline from 48 down to 42. And if you're looking for a second teaser over to play, again, in the late afternoon kickoffs, heck, there's a game out there called the Patriots versus the Steelers with a high over-under line currently of 53. And we can make that one a little bit more manageable by taking that down to 47. So 
I'm not going to say over 48 in this game, but I think we got a nice little over-over teaser potential with the Seahawks and the Rams over 42 and the Patriots-Steelers over the total of 47. Victor's going to go over teaser-wise in the Rams-Seahawks football game for value from a teaser standpoint in this football contest here. While the handicap looked to be a little bit to the under defensively, the question's about that Seattle defense loom in this contest here, and it's a big, big concern for me as well. As Victor mentioned here, the status of Bobby Wagner, that pulled hamstring, is huge for the Seattle Seahawks coming into this football game. Uh, with also them missing three other starters here, it's going to be imperative that you check out the injury lists before you make a play on this football game here. It's a high-profile game. There is no doubt about it. Two teams that we'll likely see in the NFC playoffs this football season here. Right now, as we talked about earlier on in the show, if the playoffs began this week, Seattle will be in the outside looking in. They need victories down the stretch. They control their own destiny moving forward. And, in fact, a win in this football game would give them the hammer as far as the NFC West goes. They have, would have defeated the Rams twice this year. They'd be tied for first place. They'd own the tiebreaker. This being a huge game for the Seattle Seahawks. The Rams come in here, rambling a little bit unlight, if you will. Take a look inside their stats. They've been out-yarded three over the last four football games have the Rams. In fact, they allowed a season-high 455 yards to Philadelphia in that tough, tough loss last week. The Rams, when they've been on the division road against winning teams, have not fared well in the past. I know this is a different Rams team than it's been in the past for the Rams, but the fact of the matter is they've won only eight of the last 30 playoff games, or uh, road games, I should say, in division play straight up on the road. And in fact, the last six times they played with double-digit exact loss revenge against winning opponents. They failed to win the money all six times. The Seattle Seahawks come in here now in this contest here. Having allowed in the that football game last week, Victor mentioned here, the out the outburst scoring in the second half, a uh, rare football game in which they allowed 30 points in the game for a Seattle defense. The last five times they've allowed 30 or more points in the game. Seattle's come back and won all five times the next week, going four and one to the spread. We talked about Russell Wilson and what a great season he's having, an MVP-type season here. 17 touchdowns and one interception in the fourth quarter of football games this year. Absolutely outstanding. 17 touchdowns is great for a whole season, let alone with still three more games to remain for Russell Wilson here. He's been outstanding in his career at home in games up a loss, where he's 14-1 and straight up, 11-3-1 to the spread, and 6-0 and straight up in ATS inside those numbers in the second half of the football season here. I think with first place being on the line, that Seattle being on the outside looking in here, I'm going to stay at home with the Seahawks here, but I want to check that injury situation list before I make a play on the game. If we find out that they have Bobby Wagner on the field or KG right on the field here, we'll back the Seattle Seahawks in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments. We check with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you in Las Vegas between holidays as we speak today? Well, Mark, everything is going nicely. It's an anticipatory tar- time of the year. 
College Bowls on the horizon, the NFL playoffs on the horizon as well. A lot of big games, as you've been discussing, especially that Seattle-Los uh, Angeles Rams game. We've got a number of very attractive matchups this weekend that will determine the fates of several of these teams. Some of these teams will be able to clinch playoff spots. Others will be eliminated. It promises to be a very exciting weekend, as will basically the next month of the NFL football season as we wind down towards conference championship games in late January. We've got that. We've got the college football bowl games kicking off this week. And I know inside the logicalapproach.com newsletter, it's the first of Andy's previews of the college football bowl games. You want to download a copy of that right away. If you're listening to the show, go to thelogicalapproach.com to get your copy of Andy's logical approach football newsletter. He does a great job, comprehensive review of these opening college football games. And he'll continue to do so as the bowl games wind on down through the New Year's Day big football playoff bowl games as well. Andy, we're getting down to crunch time, if you will, in the National Football League Westgate Superbook Contest. We've got only three weeks remaining and a lot of money on the line. I think $1.3 million to the winner of this contest here. Are things tightening up any more on top of the leaderboard as we speak today? Uh, Yes and no. And that is uh, by that, I mean the field is thinning out, but the actual leader right now after last week has a two-game lead over the second-place contestant, but it's very, very uh, tight. Let me first go over the results from last week. The consensus had another winning week, not quite the 5-0 and that they had the week before, but the 3-2 and week last week with winners on the Green Bay Packers, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Baltimore Ravens, the losers amongst the top five plays the Seattle Seahawks, and the Minnesota Vikings. That 3-2 and two record brings the results to date for the consensus for the season. The top five selections, still below 500, but inching back close, 33-37. and 37. Now, last week, favorite, uh, the uh, favorite teams, if, uh, if the uh, consensus play, the more, more selections were on the team favored in the game, those results were 4-3. and three. Underdogs were picked by, uh, in nine of these 16 games, the underdog was the more preferred side. Those underdogs went 6-3, and three. so for the season, or rather for the week last week, 10-6 and six overall picking the games for the season. 97 winners, 105 losses, five games resulted in pushes, and there was one game in which uh, the contestants were evenly split on the two sides. So uh, the favorites and underdogs still under 500 for the year, as is the consensus but making up some ground as we get into some of the more unpredictable but some of the more enjoyable parts of the season with just three weeks to go. In fact, for a great majority of the field, those who have been struggling this season, the three-week mini contest begins, and that is the contest that awards a winner-take-all or split amongst ties, prize of, I believe it's $15,000 this year, to the contestant or contestants who have the best record over the final three weeks, the final 15 selections. It normally takes something like 12 and 3, 13 and 2, or even a little better to win that prize. So there should be some good handicapping down the stretch. And we'll see what happens as the final 15 picks of the contest are made. We've had 70 picks in so far through the first 14 weeks. The leader is at 70.7%. That's 49 and a half out of a possible 70 points. The actual record for that leader is 48, 19, and 3. There's one contestant, two spots back at uh, 47 and a half points. And then going down in half grade increments, half point increments rather, behind that 47 and a half and second, you've got two contestants, one contestant, three contestants, two contestants, 11 contestants, and five, 10, and finally 23 contestants 
at 43 and a half, which is the final paying position thus far. There are a total of 59 in the money paying the top 50 in ties. Those 43 and a half points translates to a winning percentage of slightly over 62%. Overall, there are 127 contestants out of the 2,748 who entered, hitting at 60% or better, which equates to 42 out of a possible 70 points. Now, contrast that to the Super Contest Gold, the $5,000 entry fee winner-take-all contest, where there were just 94 entries. The leader in that contest is at 42.27-1. That's 42.5 points, 7 points weaker than the leader in the main contest. That's 60 0.7%, a shade under 61%, leading the winner-take-all contest. That's nearly $500,000. And that contestant has just a half-point lead over the contestant in second place, who is at 42 points. So what I'm getting at here is in this super contest gold with the $5,000 entry fee, yeah, only 94 contestants, only two of them able to hit 60% with the leader only a half game above 60%. That's how difficult it is, has been for the season. And I'll make that remark because, as we've seen throughout the middle part of this season, NFL favorites did extremely, extremely well. And yet in contests like these, especially for those people who are willing and capable of putting up $5,000, those tend to be, let's call them quote-unquote sharp players, wise guys, or players who generally gravitate towards playing underdogs more than they do towards playing favorites. And as a result of what we saw through the middle part of the season, it may not really be a surprise that the leader in this contest is doing not quite as well vis-a-vis -vis the overall regular contest that has a combination of sharp money, unsophisticated money, and somewhere in the middle. Wow, just two people in the big contest at 60% on this football season here. It's head-scratching, to say the least. But uh, obviously, it's been that kind of a year where we've seen a turn, an ebb and flow, if you will, of favorites and dogs and favorites. And Andy, if I'm going to handicap the weather, uh, forecasting the weather, the point spread tendencies in this contest here, where we've had, like I say, some dogs to begin this season, a big, big run by favorites in the middle and uh, three-quarter position in the contest here it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the dogs bark up a little bit down the stretch in this contest as well and one other note to you andy here you mentioned the final three weeks of the contest it'll be big for people that are out of the contest like yours truly you mentioned yourself uh to put up a good winning ticket the final three weeks also in the playbook wise guy contest the final four weeks of that contest begins this week and andy isco finds himself in the running for the main prize as well so andy Put your best handicapping work together for the final four weeks because you cashed in the Wise Guy contest last year, and it looks to me like you're in the running again this year. I'm going to wish you the best of luck there that way as well. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't know if you want to share a tip for the Wise Guys contest, but I do have one that I do recommend to fellow competitors in the contest. There's a triple play available throughout the course of the contest. Usually there's a double play each week. that counts twice as much for a best bet. And I'm always surprised that people use their triple play in the middle part of the season. They should save the triple play for the mini contest because that could end up being the tiebreaker, whereas opposed to getting a possible 12 points out of the final th four weeks of the contest, that triple play gives the opportunity for 13 points. 
I'm flabbergasted, Andy, nice. likewise, when, when I see that. And, Victor, I know you say the same thing. Uh, when you see people use their triple plays, and it's so much more beneficial down the stretch where there's a bonus portion of monies and a bonus portion of points to be earned to position yourself to win money in this contest. So, as you say, during the final four weeks is when you want to use that triple play in the playbook contest. But uh, I encourage our listeners to check it all out. You can download copies of the weekly Wise Guys contest at playbook.com to find out who your favorite handicapper is on each and every week. Andy, as far as the Westgate contest is concerned, any major uh, line adjustments that we've seen from last week to what Jay sent out this week? Any noteworthy line value plays that uh, perhaps have been adjusted for as far as from last week to this week? Yeah, well, this this is not the contest per se. It is the actual betting board where the Westgate has, for the last several years, put up lines roughly the Tuesday prior to the weekend's games for the following week. So, for example, yesterday, when we're doing this podcast on Wednesday, on Tuesday, uh, December 12th, the lines were put up for week 16 of the regular season, even though week 15's games do not start until this Thursday. So last Tuesday, December 5th, the week 15 lines for the games being played this week were available for actual betting, not just look-ahead lines that could be used as a gauge. These are actual lines that could be bet for several days prior to them coming down when the actual games were played this past week. And there were a number of noteworthy moves generally over the second half of the schedule this week, and we've seen a lot of adjustments for teams that are playing well and are in situations where they just need one or two wins to wrap up a playoff spot, and they're facing teams that are out of contention. For example, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, now in the number three spot in the AFC, control their own destiny. Uh, they were they were certainly rooting for uh, uh, the uh, Miami Dolphins last week because they now have an opportunity should things break their way. Uh, and if uh, uh, Pittsburgh were to beat the Patriots on, uh, on, on Sunday afternoon, Jacksonville has an opportunity to finish with the number two seed in the AFC. They were eight and a half point favorites at home against the struggling Houston Texans. Well, they had a nice win over Seattle, not quite as close as the final score might suggest. When that line came out on Sunday evening, Jacksonville was made a 10 point favorite. They actually got bet up early in the week to as high as 11 and a half point favorites over the Texans. It settled in now in midweek as 10 and a half point home favorites. So that's still two points more than was available a week ago. Perhaps the biggest adjustment, which is a combination of situation and injury, occurred in the game between the New Orleans Saints and the New York Jets, where the New Orleans Saints last week were installed as 10.5-point home favorites against the Jets. Well, New Orleans battling Carolina and Atlanta in the NFC South for the division title and or wildcard spots with several other teams in the NFC. The New York Jets playing out the string, uh, but losing quarterback Josh McCown, who has really uh, played uh, tremendous football, keeping the Jets in wildcard contention for a good part of the season. When that line came out, instead of the 10.5 we saw last week, the New Orleans Saints were installed as 14.5-point favorites. Again, a reaction to not just the injury, but also the situation. New Orleans was something to play for, and the Jets not. That line went up to as high as a 16-point favorite. As of midweek, it settled back down to a 15-point favorite for the uh, New Orleans Saints. The uh, game between the Los Angeles Rams and Seattle Seahawks, Seattle was a two-and-a-half-point home favorite over the Rams. And I know you detailed the situation this week for Seattle and the Rams and the fact that Seattle does control its own destiny and a win this week over the Rams could end up resulting in them winning the NFC West because they would then hold uh, the uh, their destiny in their hands. Seattle was a two-and-a-half-point favorite last week and actually closer to a three-point favorite because the 
two and a half was minus 120 VIG. When that line came out on Sunday afternoon, the Seattle Seahawks were down to just a one and a half point home favorite. The line actually dropped down to as low as Pickham before hitting back up to Seattle now still where they opened Sunday night, a one and a half point favorite, but still a point below where they were a week ago. Tennessee at San Francisco, a game between a couple of teams. San Francisco playing out the string, but playing with energy with the insertion of Jimmy Garoppolo into the lineup as quarterback. Tennessee still looking for a wild card or perhaps AFC South championship. They'll face Jacksonville to end the season. Last week, Tennessee was a four-point road favorite in this contest. Tennessee slipped in their game this past week at Arizona, losing 12-7, while the San Francisco 49ers had a very impressive road win, the second straight road win after beating the Bears a week earlier, winning in uh, the uh, Houston to defeat the Texans. Another, as I mentioned, good performance by Jimmy Garoppolo. When this line opened up Sunday night, Tennessee was still favored, but by just one point. Yet early and steady action pushed this line the other way. It crossed over Pickham. San Francisco was as high as a two-and-a-half point home favorite. And by midweek, it settled into the 49ers, a two-point favorite over the uh, playoff contending Tennessee Titans. Finally, a couple of more of another one where we saw the switch pass zero. Oakland hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Last week, Oakland, a two-point home favorite over the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys go into New York and defeat the Giants. Oakland loses at Kansas City. When the line came out Sunday evening, Dallas, a one-and-a-half-point road favorite, bet up to a three-point road favorite for their game Sunday evening in Oakland. A five-point move, including a switch of favorites. And finally, the Monday night game, Atlanta in playoff contention, Tampa Bay playing out the string. Atlanta last week, only a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Atlanta with uh, their uh, their performance over the weekend, or actually last Thursday, winning uh, at home against New Orleans. When that line came out Sunday evening, Atlanta ticked up a little bit, half a point to a four-point road favorite. Heavy action on the Atlanta Falcons by midweek. The Atlanta Falcons up to six-and-a-half-point road favorites. Wouldn't be surprised, even though Tampa Bay playing out the string, if we don't see a buyback in that number, and that line ends up closing back somewhere around four in time for the Monday night game, barring any mid-to-late-week injury developments. A lot of good line adjustment moves overviewed by Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas with regard to this week's Westgate Superbook Contest. Victor, before Andy runs off here, I know you got a question you want to run by him on the show as well. Yeah, let's get Andy's thoughts on the result of the Monday night game. You know, from our perspective, we had a three-star King Creole play on under 48 in the Dolphins-Patriots game. It was a totals tip sheet play. I think we even mentioned it on last week's podcast as well to go under the total in that game. Of course, if you watched it, uh, from a totals perspective, you were probably on pins and needles throughout the entire game. And, of course, uh, with two minutes left of the game, when New England drove all the way down to the Miami one-yard line and had a first and goal at the one-yard line, naturally we thought we were done for. Somehow, miraculously, a couple of offensive holding penalties had them backed up to the 15-yard line. Rather than go for the touchdown, they went for the field goal. The game finished 27-20, to 20, went under by one point. But, Andy, I would imagine that it was probably the best, most profitable Monday night outcome of the season, given the tendency for the players to be betting the favorite, betting the over, teasing them, parlaying them. So, of course, with doing and knocking people out of uh, respective survivor pools, not even uh, uh, winning the game outright, that I would imagine it was probably a fantastic outcome for the sportsbooks, generally speaking. 
Well, Victor, almost any time a game stays under the total, that's going to be a win for the sports book, especially when it comes in a prime time Thursday night, Sunday night, or Monday night game. That's going back over the last several years. The over has been uh, the very popular play, and many of these games have gone over. So the fact that the game ended the way it did, and by the way, Belichick does something that a lot of coaches don't, and that is you take the field goal when you can right. because you need to get those points, even though it means that you've got to score a touchdown afterwards. If you don't score anything on that possession the game is over so Belichick once again out thinking a lot of uh, folks although let's to be fair those two penalties helped uh, make a decision to go for the field goal rather than try for it on fourth and goal from the one nonetheless uh, I also was very pleased with uh, with the uh, game staying under in that case but when you combine that with the result of Miami winning the game outright which destroyed all the teasers destroyed all the parlays involving the favored New England Patriots and also what has become increasingly a a more popular play, and that's parlaying of favorites, especially favorites of seven points or more on the money line. That parlay, those parlays also went down. So yes, it was a very big week for the books, uh, uh, at least on Monday night. The week overall was somewhat profitable for the books. Monday night closed out all the open action to the uh, teasers tied into Miami, to the parlays tied into Miami, to the money lines tied into Miami, and also into the overs as well. So yes, Monday night was uh, the best result that they could have hoped for and the best result of the season as far as Monday night goes because of the fact that you had such a big favorite lose outright. Andy, i got to ask you a question here before I get your complimentary play and we let you go on the show here today. Uh, one other note that might be noteworthy and might be controversy in the making here, an article in the Philadelphia uh, Inquirer about the Eagles entertaining ideas about signing Colin Kaepernick as a possible quarterback to ease the situation in Philadelphia do you one see that happening and if it happened would it be a good move for the Eagles or not I'm not sure that it would be a good move simply because of the chemistry issues that the team had developed with Carson Wentz and the fact that Nick Foles who was with Philadelphia in 2013, led him to the playoffs, had that outstanding season. I want to say something like 27 touchdown passes and two interceptions. He's now got three weeks to gear up for the playoffs. The Eagles will host a game, whether it be a wild card or divisional game, by virtue of having wrapped up the NFC East. As far as the distractions created by Colin Kaepernick's views that have resulted in a lot of controversy, I'm not so sure how much of a factor that would be, although I would want to know how the potential teammates feel about him. Uh, most of the reports I have uh, I've read is that most of the players around the league have no problem with Colin Kaepernick as long as they believe he's a capable enough quarterback to lead them to victories because that's the bottom line. The fact that they have Nick Foles, who has been a veteran quarterback, who has history with the franchise, with Doug Peterson uh, as his uh, coach when, uh, when Andy Reid was still in Philadelphia, I think mitigates the loss of Carson Wentz, even though he can't be replaced. Uh, arguably, Wentz was going to be, if not the MVP of the league, certainly amongst the top three finishers. So Philadelphia, because they have a capable, proven, comfortable quarterback in Nick Foles, might not be in that same situation as, say, other teams that have lost or might continue to lose quarterbacks, especially given Philadelphia's situation where they've wrapped up a playoff spot and they've now got three games to get Nick Foles assimilated back into the uh, lineup. As far as signing Colin Kaepernick as a backup, I wouldn't have a problem with that, but I'm not sure how well he would fit into Doug Peterson's system. 
I agree wholeheartedly with that assessment, Andy, here. Uh, Nick Foles, if they could have chosen any quarterback to be on hand if Carson Wentz went down, it would have been Nick Foles. He knows the system. He's been there. He's done that. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback. He's been quarterback in the playoffs, and I think he'll end up being an adequate replacement for them. I don't know if they're going to make it to the Super Bowl, but I don't think Colin Kaepernick would have taken him there either. That and the fact that people tend to forget that in his last 18 starts, Kaepernick was 2-16, and 16, albeit with San Francisco, but I don't know if he ended up being that magic elixir that they're looking for in Philadelphia these days. Andy, I'm going to ask you, before I let you go here, your complimentary play on the football show this week. Philadelphia Eagles, a nice call last week. Uh, what are you looking at for this week? Well, I'm going to go to a game on Saturday. We've got the game between the Chargers and the Chiefs. That's for first place in the AFC West, but I'm going to go to the other game, the earlier game that day between the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. Bears playing out the string, but seeing some encouraging things with Mitchell Trubisky, their rookie quarterback who got inserted a few games into the season. John Fox coaching for his job, and although a lot of people have Fox axed at the end of the season, a good finish down the stretch with Trubisky might give him one more year if this team continues to show development. Uh, their win last week at Cincinnati, 33-7, to uh, came out of nowhere. A lot of people like the uh, Bears plus the points in that game, but I don't know that anyone could have predicted that they'd go into Cincinnati and win by 26 points, but that's an encouraging effort. They've been competitive in most of their losses this year, and in the series history between the Bears and the Lions, it's a history of close games. In fact, of the last five games, they've all been decided by four points or less, with three of them by exactly a field goal, uh, including the game earlier this year won uh, by the uh, the Bears, uh, excuse me, won by the uh, the Lions uh, earlier this season. Uh, although an upset is possible, I'm going to look for the fundamentals. Detroit has had difficulty running the football all season. In fact, only twice this year have they topped 100 yards rushing, averaging just 20, just, excuse me, averaging just 76 yards per game rushing the football. That's dead last in the NFL. The Bears have been able to run the game, averaging 124 yards per game. They also take the better defensive stats into this game, allowing nearly a half yard less per play than are the Lions. All the pressure is on Detroit in this game. The competitive nature of the series, the fact that the Bears have been competitive in a number of their losses, especially against similar caliber teams as the Lions. I'm going to take the points with Chicago. Wouldn't be surprised if this is another game decided by a field goal. Not going to go so far as to predict the outright upset, but I'll take the five and a half points that are currently available with the Chicago Bears. Andy Isco on the Chicago Bears plus the points against Detroit on Saturday for his complimentary play on the show this week. Andy, once again, a great job, as always, on the show this week. I'm going to thank you and wish you the very best of luck this week on the football card, and we'll look forward to visiting with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Mark, thank you very much, and I wish both you and Victor all the success this weekend. Thank you very much. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Be sure to get his newsletter on time at TheLogicalApproach.com, just in time for the games this weekend. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week. And Victor and I will share our complimentary plays when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new Coffee Club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow Coffee Club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the Coffee Club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week in the NFL this week. We call it 33rd and 3rd Street. 33rd and 3rd Street. And what we're looking to do in the NFL is to play on any NFL team that's away on a Saturday football game. If you can believe that, just away on a Saturday football game in the National Football League. We're talking about the Chicago Bears this week. Teams in this role are 20-5 and five against the spread since 1983. That's an 80% winning angle playing on NFL teams that are away on Saturdays. We'll be on the Chicago Bears this week along with Andy Isco with this complimentary play as well for our awesome angle play on the football card this Saturday. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week. And also remind our listeners out there about the NFL Totals tip sheet I know Victor would mention it himself, but I'll do it for him that in the totals tip sheet this week off a nice winning week last week, Victor breaks down the tendencies of what you don't want to watch for in NFL teams playing either their third straight away or third straight home games. A nice little observation by Victor inside this week's total tip sheet that in the weekly or the daily, I should say, NBA totals today, all available online at playbook.com. Victor, if you would, let our listeners know what your complimentary play is and what you've got on tap this week as well. Sure can. We'll have uh, some good plays this weekend in the NFL. A Saturday over-under selection. We'll have a play in the Sunday night game, an over-under play in the Raiders-Cowboys game. Our four-star over of the week in the NFL. That'll be going sometime during the Sunday afternoon games. And let's not forget man's best friend. Speedy's only underdog last week was the Chicago Bears. Andy just talked about him. The Bears plus six and a half points. A dominating win from the get-go against the Cincinnati Bengals. A very nice uh, underdog winner. And Speedy will have his three-star dog of the day in the NFL. Everything, of course, available at playbook.com. And for our free play this week, we're going to one of the bowl games on Saturday. We got five bowl games on Saturday. And we're going over the total in the Cure Bowl in Orlando, Florida. The weather should be nice. Georgia State against Western Kentucky. The game opened at 49. It's gone up a couple of points to 51 and a half. 
But still, that's a great value and a relatively low over-under line, particularly for a game in which we should be seeing a lot of passing yards. Neither one of these teams can run the ball a lick. In fact, Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, are dead last in rushing on the season in the NCAA. Only 66.9 rushing yards per game, only 2.2 rushing yards per play. Dead last. And Georgia State's not much better. 117th ranked number 117 in the country in rushing yards per game at 115 yards. Again, so neither one of these teams can run the ball. If you're looking for a lot of passing plays, we have more than capable quarterbacks. Of course, Western Kentucky, as I mentioned, they averaged an NCAA worth 70 yards per game or less on the ground. And, of course, we've got the fact that you've got uh, the Hilltoppers, one of only eight teams nationally to throw for 4,000 yards this season. Uh, Mike White has thrown for more than 8,000 yards the last two years. This could He could very well end his college career in a blaze of passing glory. So look for a lot of points. We should get 59 or more points in this game over the total in the Cure Bowl, Western Kentucky versus Georgia State. And Mark, best of luck to you with your 10-star NFL game of the year. Let's hope we get the same outcome as the college football equivalent when you had Auburn and the outright winner over Alabama for the 10-star college bowl game of the year, uh, regular season game of the year. Thank you, Victor. I appreciate that. And uh, so, too, will our listeners if they join me for that 10-star NFL game of the year play this weekend. I want to remind our listeners out there about that particular game. It's available part of another 10-star weekend of winners. We've been on a massive winning run of late, winning, uh, I say, eight of our last nine top game plays over the last nine weeks. You can get it every NFL and first full week of college bowl plays I make with our 10-star weekend of winners at playbook.com. Also part of our double 10-star December, including every football release I make from now through January 1st, New Year's Day bowl games. Check that out. It's also available at playbook.com. Or if you're into just the bowl games, our college football bowl bonanza kicks off Saturday. All these plays are available online to sign up for at playbook.com or call me toll-free to get on board today. Call toll-free next for fast, friendly customer service at 1-800-321-7777. Before I get to my complimentary play, I want to remind our listeners about our friends at mybookie.ag. Just in time for the College Bowl games, a 50% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 is available if you open up your account at mybookie.ag today. All you need to do is log on at mybookie.ag, use the promo code PLAYBOOK, to get your 50% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 or call them toll-free. The number is 1-844-866-2387. That's mybookie.ag. My complimentary play on the football card this week, I'm going to go to the Boca Raton Bowl being played down here in South Florida in the Boca Raton Bowl. Uh, kickoff on Tuesday, December 19th, when Florida Atlantic is home for the holidays. The great season that the Owls had this football season didn't get them away from home. They'll be hosting at Akron in this football game. Akron comes in here as probably the lowest rated of all the bowl teams this year, but they still did make it to the MAC title championship game. And we note that teams in 
conference championship games that lose that come up as dogs of seven or more points have been outstanding in bowl games. You're talking about in Florida Atlantic, a first-year bowl coach in Lane Kiffin. And the reason I point that out is first-year bowl coaches in bowl games that are favored by eight or more points. They're just three and seven to the spread doing just that. This is the largest bowl spread in any game in our database going back to 1980. There had been, we had found five teams that were favored by 17 and a half points. You're finding Florida Atlantic as much as a 22-point favorite in this bowl game. And I'll say this, that bowl favorites of 16 or more points are just 5-11 and 11 against the spread. Akron head coach Terry Bowden has been outstanding in his career as a dog of 17 or more points. He's 8-1 and one to the spread, taking that many points here. I think Florida Atlantic a little bit is more disappointed to be at home than they are on the road for the holidays here. I'm going to play Akron plus the points. I think FAU will play down to Akron's level in this football game. I'll grab up the points and was a huge value play with Akron for my complimentary play in Tuesday's Boca Raton Bowl matchup. That's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas for the great job they did on the show this week as always. And until next week, for our good friend Jack Reynolds, we know is listening from above, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.